0: apply. See site for details.
1: So welcome back listeners to our subsidy for the fifth and final episode for this series. In this episode, we're talking to housing solicitor Derek Bernardi from Camden Law Centre. Derek, welcome and thanks for agreeing to join us on this episode. Thank you very much. So yeah, I was wondering if you can tell us a bit more about the work that Camden Law Centre does?
0: Sure. So we have departments that do work in housing, immigration, welfare benefits and employment. Um, We also do work with debt, uh, a bit of outreach programs and that. Um, It's mostly legal aid work, um, obviously a bit of pro bono and we do get some funding from Camden Council mainly for employment work.
1: Okay, that's really interesting. So could you tell us a little bit about the most common housing uh, cases that you represent and the kind of situations that you usually end up dealing with?
0: The, I'd say the two most common issues that clients come in with are rent arrears and possession cases and homelessness. And homelessness can cover everything from, uh, I'm losing my home, what can I do, to I've been sofa surfing with family and friends for three years, to rough sleepers who just need a roof over their head.
1: So that would be assisting people who um, have already presented to the council and are trying to access some accommodation? Uh,
0: yes, either who've already presented or who haven't presented. A lot of people don't even know that it's an option.
1: Okay, okay. So in, in that situation, would the, the people who tend to present to you, um, would it be a case that they've usually got their, their decision in writing and they know what their rights are, or would it be a case that they, um, they're looking to kind of find out a bit more information about what their next steps are?
0: It's a bit of a mix. We find that a lot of people go to the council, and very often the initial response they get is, You're a single person without children, I can't help you, or You won't be found to have any priority need, or Oh, can't you just go stay with family for a few months and we'll give you some points so you can bid for housing? Um, So there's a fair amount of people who have already tried to get homelessness assistance and been refused for one reason or another. Um, But then there are plenty of people who've gone and they've had a negative decision saying that they're not vulnerable or they've made themselves intentionally homeless, all that sort of thing.
1: Okay, so there's a little bit of that, um, helping people who are about to present or have have already been. Around your rent arrears cases and people who are at risk of losing their accommodation, do you notice any kind of trends with people who might um, try and look to get advice quite early or does it tend to be quite last minute?
0: Yes, we get a lot of people who come in after they've received one or two letters from their landlord mm-hmm. uh, either private well not usually a private landlord because they don't usually warn you in advance yeah. but a housing association or local authority saying you have a thousand pounds rent arrears clear this now or we'll take you to court to evict you um, so it is a lot of people are very proactive mm-hmm. as soon as they get those letters.
1: So you mentioned that you for people that are being more proactive around rent arrears, it tends to be um, like social housing tenants um, and not private. Are you saying it's more experience of Section 21 notices with um, private tenants?
0: Usually, yes. If a private landlord can avoid having to prove a ground for possession, then they always try to do that.
1: Okay, okay. I've been reading recently about um, some cases around like Section 21 and um, repairs issues, and I um, recently watched like a dispatches programme and I included some of that in a previous episode about um, like revenge evictions around repairs. Have mm-hmm. you have you had any, many cases about that? Um,
0: we have, in a sense. I think the problem with the legislation on revenge evictions is that in order for a Section 21 notice to be invalid, mm-hmm. the local authority has to have sent somebody from environmental health around to the property yeah. and they have to have served... Uh, various types of notices, but mm-hmm. generally an improvement notice, yeah. saying that there are Category 1 hazards in the house, mm-hmm. um, you have to improve it. Mm-hmm. If that notice hasn't been served, mm-hmm. or if it's not served between the date of the Section 21 notice and the date that you actually go to court, yeah. then it's not considered a revenge eviction. Okay. Um, yeah. So you can still, even if a person has been complaining for ages about disrepair, and even if there is very serious disrepair, If there's no relevant notice from local authorities' environmental health department, then there's nothing
1: they can do about it. And the landlord could just say that they're selling the property and the person would be stuck stuck in in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So could you tell me a little bit more about the recent attempted changes to um, legal aid and how that might impact the work that um, you do at the Camden Law Centre?
0: So I think the most recent high-profile changes were going to be uh, in relation to criminal legal aid, mm-hmm. which it wouldn't affect us at Camden Law Center. There are other law centers that mm-hmm. do have criminal contracts, um, but I think those have been put on hold for now. Yep. Um, but I mean, legal aid is constantly under threat in mm-hmm. one form or another, so cuts can come in the form of uh, either reducing what's in scope for legal aid funding, mm-hmm. um, changes to sort of how and when a case can be billed so for example a judicial review case that doesn't actually get past the permission stage there are many circumstances in which you can't actually bill for what may be hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of work Um, and then just reducing the hourly rate that legal aid providers are paid at so most work right now is paid at 63 pounds an hour compared to if you're in private practice commercial practice you would probably be getting paid hundreds of pounds an hour. Yeah.
1: Okay. Could you tell me a little bit about um, the Homeless Reduction Act and see if you've uh, and if you've seen any kind of changes around it? Because I know, in my experience, I haven't seen an awful lot of um, of changes. And I know one of them is that uh, the councils are looking to kind of do a bit more work around internally reviewing their decisions before someone can really look to kind of access legal advice to to challenge it.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I think in practice, I haven't noticed. That much of a difference yet. Um, I've still seen some local authorities telling people who are getting evicted that they have to wait until the bailiffs come round, or wait until they have an eviction date, which isn't supposed to happen anymore. Yeah. hasn't What well, hasn't been supposed to happen for years? But never mind that. Um, they local authorities are starting to create personalised plans, which is part of the new legislation. Mm-hmm. But from what I've seen, the, the steps that they've proposed to help people secure accommodation have been uh, severely lacking, to put it politely. So, for example, we had one client who, uh, one local authority in South London created a personalized plan for them where the steps the client was meant to take included, well, limited to applying for ESA and applying for PIP and the steps the council were going to take were making sure that they made those applications, which they didn't even do that.
1: No. And I, I think what I've noticed as well is um, having read the... The guidance myself is it says that they're supposed to come up with like realistic housing options, and I feel especially when it comes to uh, young people, that just means repetitively asking if they've been kicked out by their parents if they can go back home, which I don't think is always going to be massively appropriate. Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you have you seen like a kind of increase? You, said, you mentioned the personal housing plans. Have you seen kind of an increase in in decision letters or any changes like that? Because what I've noticed in the sector before is people tend to um, get a decision verbally and and take that as a given um, and I was hoping that you know the recent change in legislation might result in at least a, a bit more on in writing that people could then uh, take for kind of legal advice and to challenge
0: yeah I've seen a couple of decisions in writing but as far as challenging them at least what I've seen so far the local authorities have tended to just withdraw the decision and say that they'll issue a new one um, and then I think some types of decisions that are meant to be put in writing, are not being put in writing. And I don't know if that's, uh, basically there are several new sorts of decisions that need to be put in writing, Mm -hmm. or new notices that need to be served. So if a person is uh, failing to cooperate with the steps in their personalized plan, or if the relief duty is coming to an end. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's a matter of local authorities being unaware that those decisions need to be in writing or if there's just a lack of staff and a lack of time to do so many written decisions or whatever the case may be. I, I think it's all new and I'm trying to give local authorities the benefit of the doubt and,
1: yeah.
0: and there is a bit of a learning curve with all of these things. Yeah,
1: same. I think I've, I've not massively kind of gone into depth for it in the podcast because I think these, these changes need um, quite a while to kind of play out um and to see how they actually work in practice um and for people to kind of get um up to scope up to speed on it but I think with the um with the changes with the homeless reduction act it at least brings in hopefully um a, a kind of bottom framework mm-hmm. for you know if we do end up in a situation where um more housing law becomes more supportive of tenants um and and things progress in the housing market that we've at least got a kind of a framework for for helping people but unfortunately i don't know if we're ever going to get to the stage like in scotland where people have like a minimum two-year tenancy yeah, and yeah. Um, but it'd be nice
0: <laughs> yeah no i think the homelessness reduction act is a step in the right direction yeah but i think So part of the idea behind it is to get homeless applicants, people at risk of becoming homeless, and local authorities to work more cooperatively, Mm -hmm. a holistic approach, as people like to say.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But I think there needs to be a bit more of a culture shift Mm -hmm. because obviously there are a lot of housing officers and local authorities who do very good work and who are there to try to help people. Mm -hmm. But in general, there is a culture of trying to refuse any homeless application they possibly can mm-hmm. or to avoid taking a homeless application in the first place yeah. and a lot of that pressure comes from people above the individual homeless officers on the front lines but I think until that culture changes I, I don't think there's it's going to be a matter of everyone sitting down around the table and saying right how can we help you not become homeless how can we help you get rehoused.
1: I think in in my experience as well there's there's a big lack of help when it comes to illegal evictions and people who are being quite clearly illegally evicted or or threatened by their landlord Mm -hmm. um there's still the kind of attitude of well just wait for the landlord to like serve you a notice and obviously the individual might be in a situation where their landlord's coming around accessing the property or threatening them and they're still feeling um they're still feeling like they they don't have that much legal support and they haven't got those many options when it comes to um, trying to challenge that because the person hasn't yet like the landlord hasn't yet served them a notice um, and I was kind of hoping the homelessness reduction act might you know include a little bit more of support for people about that do you mm-hmm. do you get in many cases of like illegal evictions or landlord harassment
0: or? yeah I mean it happens fairly often all, all around London and elsewhere and I think well part of the problem is that not a lot of people know what tenants rights are <laughs> including the police so a lot of people will have their landlord Pounding on their door, telling them to get out. Mm-hmm. The tenant will phone the police, and the police will say, quite often, "Well, it's the landlord's property. There's nothing I can do if they want their property back."
1: Yeah.
0: It doesn't always happen. Some uh, some police know that the tenant has a right to remain there, and that unlawful eviction is a criminal offence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it starts from sort of the very the very outset of that mm-hmm. situation. There's not enough help in place, mm-hmm. so I think. There are new duties and obligations on local authorities in terms of homelessness prevention, and I would hope that part of that would include where a private landlord is threatening to unlawfully evict a tenant, that local authorities will step in and take steps to
1: prevent that so around um kind of the homelessness prevention uh, and your experience we mentioned obviously we've, we've not seen an awful lot of changes i think what i've noticed quite a lot is some councils are trying to build their knowledge a little bit of the services that um that are around that can offer pe- that, you know that can assist people as well um but some councils are, are maybe struggling a bit more <laughs> a bit more to kind of get that local knowledge do you do you find sometimes that's the case
0: um I haven't really noticed it that much in my experience. I mean because we're located in Camden, mm-hmm. the, the vast majority of our cases are with Camden Council, mm-hmm. and in fairness to them, they do tend to take a slightly more sympathetic approach than a lot of other mm-hmm. London local authorities yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I think they're fairly well connected to some uh, charities and other services in the area.
1: Um, do you have many many cases that come to you around the appeal of like the suitability of their temporary accommodation? Because um, I understand that's really hard to uh, have a successful appeal for. And I was wondering if you had any cases that um, you previously put um, put forward that you could speak about.
0: Yes, that happens very often, especially because these days with reduction in social housing and uh, increasing rates of private rent, mm-hmm. people especially if families with children are stuck in temporary accommodation for much longer than ever before like a decade plus yeah and because of that you know if there's a family in a studio or a one bedroom flat and they know that they're going to have to be there for a year or so mm-hmm. they may be willing to tolerate it mm-hmm. but if they know that they're going to be there basically indefinitely then obviously they're much more eager to to try to change that. So I think that oftentimes people want to request reviews of suitability of temporary accommodation Mm -hmm. because it's too small. Um, And the other main issue is people who are being offered temporary accommodation very far outside of London.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I was wondering. I know I've thought about this a bit myself. What would be the changes in the benefit system or the housing uh, housing system that you think would be most helpful? What kind of changes would you think that could really work or impact on people being able to even learn about their their housing rights or to be able to reduce uh, homelessness as a as a whole?
0: Hmm. Well, I think. I think there probably could be some sort of public awareness campaigns on housing rights in general. I mean, housing is obviously a very fundamental uh, aspect of people's lives. Mm -hmm. And it's a complex area of law, so obviously not everyone can be an expert in it and know all of their rights. But I think greater public awareness of basic rights regarding the need for landlords to get possession orders rights in relation to disrepair and basic homelessness rights would probably be very, very helpful for the general public.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's going to be really important too, so that we can uh, hopefully help people to be able to advocate for themselves and to understand what their rights are. Um, so, yeah, well, thank you very much for joining me today and for thank us having a conversation about this. Thanks.